As a one-time Jersey girl, this is not the first time I have quoted Bruce Springsteen in a sermon. I doubt it will be the last. In a 2005 live performance of his song, Jesus Was an Only Son, he slips in the following while contemplating the wife and the children that Jesus would never have. And I quote, The choices we make are given meaning by the things we give up, the things that we sacrifice for them. If that's not enough of an authority for you, <laughs> former Archbishop of Canterbury Rowan Williams makes a similar point in his book, Lost Icons, in a chapter called Childhood and Choice. In this essay, he talks about childhood as a time when we're allowed to try on new roles and not face all of the consequences of our choices. To be a grown-up means to accept the limits that our choices place on us, to know that we're saying no to certain things, even as we are saying yes to others, and to say yes anyway. We're closing some doors, even as we open others. Apply it to any vows you like. Marriage vows, ordination vows, baptismal vows. He says that the safest adults for children to be around are those who have made adult choices and who are at home with their limits. There comes a time when we are asked to commit to a path, to choose our ultimate loyalty, and to let that be our North Star, come what may. Our reading from Deuteronomy makes it sound like the choice is clear, life or death blessings or curses. Well, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound like much of a choice. Moses' advice, choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you. Someone is a little more poetic about it, but again, the choice seems clear. We can be like trees, planted by streams of water rooted in a source of strength that comes from beyond us. Or we can be like chaff, that the wind blows away. The problem is that life rarely places our choices in such stark terms. Even the choice of life versus death, it's not always so clear. Just ask Jesus. As usual, he doesn't make things easy in today's gospel. Before we can even catch our breath, he comes out with whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> What's he talking about now? First of all, no. This does not give us blanket permission for family dysfunction. 
nor has Jesus suddenly turned into a cult leader. He is speaking in hyperbole here, exaggerating the point to make the point. There may come a time when we are forced to choose between what our family wants for us, which is usually safety at all costs, and where God might be leading us. The world's most vulnerable people tend not to live in the safest places, and we are called to serve them. And when our biological family ties prevent us from honoring our ties to the rest of God's family, we are, in fact, asked to look beyond them. Anyway, it's the second part of the sentence that's more disturbing. Since when are we called to hate life itself? Every moment is a profound gift from God, so fragile that none of us dare to take it for granted. I guess that it has something to do with the next sentence. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me. While there will never need to be another Jesus, we do not need to crucify ourselves. We are sometimes called to suffer with and for others, including our loved ones, to bear their burdens alongside them, to grieve with them, perhaps even to give up our lives for them, not for an abstraction, but because God loves them, because their lives are just as precious as ours, and because Jesus died and rose for them too. Jesus knows that he is asking a lot. Before you commit to following me, he says, count the cost. Consider what you are getting yourself into. Then, as if what he's just offered isn't enough, he closes with, so therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Not the best PR man, our Jesus. This is not middle-class morality. This is not even respectable citizenship. If giving up what we have is the real deal with Christianity, no wonder so many are selling something else. So where is the good news here? Perhaps it is simply that we have real choices to make in this life, and they matter. We do have some say in what happens to us. We are not just puppets in someone else's show. But there's more to it than that. Having choices is only good when there's a worthwhile choice to make. And according to Deuteronomy, at least, life, life is an option, no matter how long it lasts. And not just any life, but a life where love is possible where trust is possible. But like any real choice, there is a cost. We are asked to give up, or at least in my terms, to release our hold on what does not last so that we're free, free to hold fast to what does. We cannot take our possessions with us when we go. And while our family relationships matter dearly. They shift. They change over time. We grow up 
Our loved ones grow up. They'll die someday, so will we. The only thing that truly lasts in this life is love. Love of God and of neighbor, and yes, love of family, that is grounded in God's unconditional love for each and every one of us. And when we let that love be our ultimate loyalty, our North Star, we can know what we are saying no to, even as we say yes. And we can say yes anyway. Amen.